You're listening to Autumn on the Air, the weekly podcast that brings you conversations about the impact of research commercialization and the people who make it happen. Join us for interviews with patent and licensing professionals, innovators, entrepreneurs, and tech transfer leaders on the issues and trends that matter most. Keep listening for an inside track on the people, IP policies, and politics changing our world. Welcome to Autumn on the Air. I'm your host, Lisa Mueller. In June of 2021, President Biden signed an executive order to advance diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility, also known as DEIA, in the federal workforce. The executive order established a government-wide initiative to advance diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility in all parts of the federal workforce. Today, I'm excited to welcome Patty Cullum, a regional technology transfer specialist at the U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs Office of Research and Development Technology Transfer Program, also known as VATTP, to discuss how the federal government is working to increase the diversity of inventors, patent holders, and leaders at their institutions, and how, as a community, we can continue the work to include underserved and underrepresented groups. Before government service, Patty worked for over 20 years in global clinical trials, regulatory compliance, data science, organizational development, and performance management in clinical slash biomedical research. Patty joined VATTP in 2019, and she's never looked back. She has created original education materials and updated the VATTP online learning to present detailed information and processes into easy-to-understand learning materials and programs. Patty earned a graduate certificate in advanced studies for technology transfer in 2021 at the Foundation for Advanced Education in the Sciences at the National Institutes of Health, Bethesda, Maryland. Earlier this year, Patty was chosen as Technology Transfer Rookie of the Year by the Federal Lab Consortium for her success in addressing educational gaps in the VA technology transfer process. Welcome to the air, Patty. I'm so glad to have you on the podcast. I'm really glad to be here. So we're both here at the Autumn Western Regional Meeting here in beautiful Portland. The sun's out today. It's been a really great meeting. How's it been for you? It's been great. I love the fact that we're all back together after COVID and that we're able to be face-to-face and really get to connect with people that we've only been able to talk to on the phone and, you know, or maybe even not connect during COVID. So this has been great. Very good. Yeah, it's been so nice to be together in person and, you know, somehow just being able to talk about various topics and issues in person just makes a difference. I think we're all Zoomed and teamed out. Absolutely. All right. So let's get into it. I want to ask you, can you tell me what the U.S. government is doing to improve diversity, equity, inclusion and accessibility? Sure. Um, you know, we are mandated through, uh, Congress and, and executive orders. And there was an executive order that charged all the agencies with assessing the current state of diversity, equity, and accessibility in the federal workforce. So what I like about that order is that all the agencies are tasked to build a more diverse pipeline into public service 
through recruitment, partnerships, and that includes recruitment, hiring, and developing and retaining, motivating your current workforce, which is so important. It's a step forward to ensure that the federal government does not rely on unpaid internships, which unpaid internships really do create a barrier for low-income people and first-generation professionals. So the order advances pay equity, among other things. So I really think it's great. I joined the um, Veterans Health Administration, our Office of Discovery, Education, and Affiliate Networks for the Veterans Health Administration. I joined their DEI committee, and we're implementing strategies and best practices now to ensure a diverse and uh, workforce that will stay and maintain within the government. That's fantastic. And and you mentioned about the work you're doing to implement education and training at the VA. You have a tremendous background. And how has your past experience helped you to develop effective approaches to increase awareness of DI issues and help change some of the behavior? You know, it's been an uphill battle for women in the workforce. And You know, women, especially that are in predominantly male fields, such as biomedical and pharmaceutical research, you know, that's the way it's been throughout my career for years. So it's been a constant battle, but I really feel that communication is critical. I see that mentoring, supporting, encouraging, and hiring women and underserved employees increases the awareness and the changes in behavior. We must eliminate any barriers to success. So it's interesting that you talk about that when I um, entered patent law in the mid 90s, I was one of, you know, very few females. I have a chemistry and biology degree. And what you were saying about the mentors and and encouraging women is is so true because um, we see um, still women in leadership in STEM and patent law. Um, it, the numbers are still not where they should be. Um, and same with women inventors. So it's, it's so incredibly important. I agree. I had a staff that worked for me. I included five, I had five males that worked for me and they made more than me. So I went to leadership and I said, you know, I, this needs to change. And they said, that's the way it is. And I've experienced that as a patent attorney throughout my entire career. It hasn't been until the last few years where I finally have made the same amount as my male counterparts. But I mean, and it was, I was told the same thing. It's just, you know, this is what we pay. And, um, you know, when I pointed out the disparity, it's like there was always an excuse as to why that Mm. uh, the male was getting paid differently. So, So there's a win for us. Exactly. Exactly. So, so before tech transfer, you were in biomedical, pharmaceutical world, and and now you find yourself at the VA. So how have the different communities that you've worked with and their different approaches to DEI issues shaped your approach in tech transfer? Well, one of the things being in tech transfer in the government, you know, the private sector, it's really up to the company to implement strategies and programs to address their DEI issues. And in the government, it's mandated. But I see that there's an opportunity for the public sector to set a precedence and an example of good practices. And not only that, but to make sure that they communicate their stories out there. And then I think the private sector will follow. So I see that because working in the VA, work with affiliate universities that we work for uh, together for our joint inventions. And, you know, they listen to us. They see what we're doing. And I think that we can really set that good precedence and example. 
Yeah. And I wanted to ask you about people with disabilities in particular, because I do have somebody in my family who has a, a disability. And, and that's an area where it's very hard, whether you're in the public or private sector, to try and get employers to in, embrace individuals with, with disabilities. Is there any special emphasis at the VA on that? I mean, a lot of you know, veterans a lot of times have some disabilities. Um, are you instituting any special programs in that regard? The VA has always had those programs, which is great. If you are a veteran with a disability, a 30% or more disability, you automatically get pushed ahead in the hiring process. And there's another program in the government that is the Workforce Recruitment Program, and it's a recruitment and referral program that connects the federal and private sector employers nationwide to have highly motivated college students, recent graduates who have disabilities and are eager to work to have that opportunity through not only internships, paid internships, but also um, permanent jobs. That's fantastic. And it's so great to see that the federal government is taking these steps to engage underserved populations, women, people with disabilities and others to try and increase diversity. But we don't want to stop there and we want to see similar type programs extend to the tech transfer community as a whole. So what do you think um, universities can do um, in working with the government to help advance DEI? I believe, as I said before, that the public and the private sector, that they can work together on programs to ensure that there's DEI and tech transfer. I think that the universities can go and reach a more diverse group of inventors, and they need to be present to go out and find these inventors and communicate with the goal of seeking people and not necessarily a disclosure, because that's what makes people nervous. We just go out and get that, you know, information to them. Exactly. And then the problem is you're just going to, you know, you get that one-time disclosure and that person, you know, is kind of put off by that experience. Are they ever going to really come back? Because you want the repeat disclosures. You want that that woman or that disabled person or, you know, whomever to continue uh, submitting disclosures. And it's funny, um, Patty, that you mentioned uh, inventors, because just today the European Patent Office put out its first report on women inventors uh, in Europe, and the numbers were not good at all. Um, only one in seven inventors in Europe were women, and that's about 13.2%. So a lot of work that needs to be done there. And uh, the USPTO obviously has has programs um, to try and increase the number of women uh, inventors as well, but still a long way to go. It is a long way to go. Over five years, the USPTO had done a study, a research study, and the they found that women inventors had only increased 1% over that five yeah, years, and it was low it was, to begin with. It was, yeah, that was a really upsetting report to see that we, the needle hadn't moved more significantly over that time. Um, but, you know, we're just going to have to engage and work harder on that to try and, and do more outreach. Also, I think that on campus, um, tech transfer can work with the different community groups that are out there. You can women in bio, black engineers, women engineers, you know, whatever group in diverse communities that are out there. I think that they really need tech transfer really needs to get out there and and be heard and to spread the word. Yeah, and you were on a panel yesterday here at the Western Regional Meeting that was entitled Practical Tools, um, Strategies for Greater Diversity and Inclusion in Leadership as well as Inventorship. And 
one of the things that came up during that panel was even affinity groups, um, forming affinity groups, whether you're at a university or you're in the government or maybe you're in um, uh, a corporation or an industry, that those are, you know, ways to help encourage more women and other traditionally underserved inventors. The USPTO uh, has done a great job being leaders in that right at uh, the beginning when people are hired they offer that opportunity saying, what do you have to give? And would you like to join one of these groups? So they they are definitely great leaders and mentors for people who want to start programs like that, not only in the government, but also in universities. So that leads me to ask, you know, what government programs are available for universities to partner with and progress DEI? So I talked about the workforce recruitment program but there are also programs that exist to reach high school students and to partner with universities. So there are programs such as the Science and Engineering Apprenticeship Program from the Department of Navy, where they take high school students who are interested in the STEM field and they work with um, researchers in the university and they're doing graduate level research alongside these researchers while they're in high school in a paid internship. So you oh, get a stipend fantastic. for it. That's yeah. really I had two of my kids were my daughters were able to do that. And it was amazing that they were working right next to researchers from the University of Massachusetts and having a stipend to do it. And the experience on their resume and what they learned really empowered them to do more in science. There's also the Army Educational Outreach Program. And that's another apprenticeship and fellowship where people can, the universities can work with the high schools and get the word out and then sign up for that and then recruit and make sure that they're taking advantage of that. And that's how we can really start people younger who have that desire to work in this field and are afraid to do it, not knowing what to do. Oh, absolutely. And, and and I think that's part of the, the problem that we have now, too, with lack of uh, people, whether it's as inventors or um, researchers or even whether they're uh, attorneys or agents in PADLA, we have a pipeline problem. And so I think we have to reach back earlier to try and get those younger generation, those younger kids into STEM uh, sooner rather than later and let them, you know, get excited about it from an early age. I agree. So, Patty, how can we share resources and information as we continue to develop these initiatives and work to be more inclusive and diverse? I think message boards, uh, communication outlets such as social media. There are so many social media outlets out there and spreading the information from groups such as Autumn. So, Patty, why do you think it's important to increase the diversity of not only the people who make up our organizations, but also inventors and patent holders? And I know we've talked about a few things so far, but do you have a couple other things you'd like to add? I think that people need to go out and search that information. It's out there at the USPTO and the USPTO has many programs that educate assist and fund research for minorities. They have it all listed out there and people should seek that information and participate in it. Do you have any thoughts on what we can do to address some of the barriers? Um, and uh, we've touched on this a little bit already that prevent underserved communities from becoming patent holders or inventors. As we mentioned before, the EPO report, it's just dismal in terms of number of women inventors. The PTO has indicated they're not really, the needle hasn't moved too much. What are your thoughts on that? 
I think that law firms should do some pro bono work. Uh, we have a law firm that works with us that has a program for veterans that have uh, inventions that they want to move forward. And there's some amazing thoughts that people have, you know, just have as thoughts and how do I move that forward? And again, I think it's mentorship and education and really getting the information out there for people to say that you can do this and encourage people to do it. Yeah, and there are some great pro bono programs through the USPTO for law firms for anybody who's interested in participating where um, they provide assistance for uh, underserved inventors. Um, and so I'd encourage anybody who might be interested in that to go to the USPTO website to get some more um, information. So, Patty, you have tremendous experience on DEI initiatives. And what would you suggest to an office that wants to increase their diversity, equity, inclusion, but doesn't know how to start? And, and maybe, you know, based on the plenary that you talked uh, on yesterday, you have some strategies or some tips that they can use. I think people shouldn't be afraid to ask and seek information, because if we're not talking about it, then they're not going to be able to get what they need. So I would say ask questions. Don't be afraid to address the issues. Bring them up. There's many people as yourself and as I am, you know, passionate about DEI and accessibility. So we have to make sure that we're doing all that we can to support the offices um, that are new to addressing DEI in their community and their workplace. Yeah. And I think reaching out is really important. Don't be afraid if you have questions. There's no such thing as a stupid question. I think sometimes people think their questions are so basic on DEI, but I can guarantee you that other offices and firms are, are struggling with similar things. And I think, you know, we can solve, you know, some of those, you know, issues of where to start and how to start together versus, you know, just, you know, um, trying to figure them out in isolation. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. So, Patty, for you as an educator, what's your hope for these DEI initiatives in the future? And what do you consider a success for these programs? I think success for these programs include collecting the data and giving concrete examples of what works. I think we can even talk about what doesn't work or what didn't work and how we can improve on that. Also tasking people to mentor and champion programs that can implement these DEI initiatives. Yeah, I think mentoring is so important and uh, it just does so much, I think, to help advance diverse initiatives. So I'd encourage people out there to, to volunteer their time as mentors. Well, Patty, I truly enjoyed talking to you today and I'm really excited to see these initiatives take off and to see where the tech transfer community goes with them. Thank you so much for taking time to join us on the podcast. I appreciate the time and I appreciate you taking the initiative to talk about DEI. Well, that's a wrap for this week's show. Catch you next time on the air. I'm your host, Lisa Mueller, signing off for now. Thanks for listening to Autumn on the Air with Lisa Mueller. Get social with us and share your thoughts. You can tweet us at AUTM or visit us online at AUTM.net. We'll be back next week on the air. Be sure to join us. New to Tech Transfer or a seasoned pro? Autumn is the global member organization for Tech Transfer and is here to help you get connected, get smart, and get ahead. Whether you work in academia, research, government, business development, 
corporate engagement, or startups. Autumn is dedicated to supporting you through education, advocacy, networking, and promotion. Join and you'll receive 20 free live webinars, as well as meaningful discounts on meetings and courses, insider access to a vast network of colleagues to help you through challenges, and align on new technologies and the university decision makers who license them. Membership is open for 2023. Join us.